Welcome to the PCAST. Each week we take you around Austin P, the Athletics Department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson, he is Dylan Schwartz, and we've got a lot to get to, just about a half hour in which to do it, so let's dive in. First, well, I guess I should say, Dylan, how are you? I'm doing well, how about yourself? Oh, it's um, freezing, bitterly, unhappily cold yeah, outside. This, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, but at least we got an hour or so off this morning for cold, I guess. I don't know. It was nice to not have to get up. I mean, my parents didn't have to go to, to work today, and we're recording the podcast. So, you know, I, I, I did feel some sort of um, envy as I walked out the door. Uh, and that's, saw that's my That's called adulthood there, buddy. Yeah, I, I'm aware, but... <laughs> It'll come and go. <laughs> Adulthood's forever. <laughs> I'm at the feeling goes, of envy. Be, when it goes, you're dead. <laughs> uh, briefly before we get into what happened around here last week, Sean Kelly signed with the Texas Rangers a year and $2.75 million, plus an option for 2020 for the former Austin Peay standout. Obviously good for Sean as he will almost certainly start his 11th big league season in Texas and edge ever closer to completing his tour of the AL West. He only has to suit up for the Angels and the Astros to have played for all the teams in the division. Texas widely known to be a hitter's haven, but Sean has fared pretty well there in his career posting a 2.57 ERA in a dozen appearances. The added side wrinkle here is, could this finally be his opportunity to close on a regular basis? Jose LeClerc, I believe that's how you say that name, is back in Texas, and he was really, really good down the stretch for the Rangers last year, saving 12 games and surrendering zero earned runs after July 28th, but it's still largely unproven. Hopefully this will give Sean an opportunity to get in there and maybe earn some saves in the latter half of his career, but that's enough baseball. I know what Dylan's here for. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, obviously my you know nerves going to be in a high, and you know I, at some point you know I, it's almost like us Patriots fans would not like us to be there so we can actually watch a game this late in the year without being nervous for it. You know? Yeah, because somebody's going to drag you out and shoot you if this goes against you. Yeah, I mean, I I I do think. It's going to be close. I do think we'll end up winning the game. I'm um, going for a high score of 37 to 31. Um, yeah, pretty high. I, I know normally Super Bowls haven't been too, too high besides the last two. Um, and the other one went to overtime, so it kind of got skewed from that big comeback against the Falcons, which, by the way, I was really hoping the Saints would also make Super Bowl so collectively the Saints and Patriots control Atlanta. But, you know, ended up not happening because that that no call. And I don't know if you saw today, but Sean Payton looked like he was wearing a Roger Goodell clown shirt by Barstool Sports by in his presser. I don't know if uh, you saw images of that. No. Uh, the thing that I heard uh, out of that press conference is that he said he spent three days after the NFC Championship game binging on Jenny's ice cream, which my wife swears by Jenny's ice cream. Loves it. We go there all the time over uh, – off of Belmont Boulevard in Nashville, but I'm not sure I would have admitted that to a room full of reporters if I was Sean Payton. As well as probably hundreds of thousands of people who ended up seeing that. Um, uh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, so if the Patriots win, everyone is invited to room 224 in the Dunn Center to smack Dylan with a sock full of nickels that I will provide. And if they lose, nothing. Yeah, we're already all we're already gonna all all be right. pretty happy then. Yeah. We won't need any pick me up. I mean, I, I highly doubt that people you, who aren't Patriots fans are gonna be rooting for the Patriots. So I would assume that if the Patriots do end up losing the game, that 
Well, this way everybody's got a stake in the yeah. game. If they if the Patriots lose, we'll all have a good time. And if they win, everybody can come in on Monday and beat you with a sock full of nickels. Exactly. Um, my prediction for the game, I also think it's probably going to be a little bit high scoring, probably not quite where you're at. I'm thinking something in the 33-27 range. Um, I think that the Patriots will win because it's just – Everything's horrible right now, and this would just kind of be very on-brand for the time we're in for the Patriots to continue winning. Uh, I think that Tom Brady will be the MVP because I can't really name any other Patriots outside of Brady, Gronkowski, Edelman, the classics. Yeah, I think uh, for an outside MVP shout, um, obviously Brady's going to be the favorite there, especially if the Patriots do win the game. Um, But I think an outside MVP shout could be Chris Hogan. I want to say defensive back, but that seems wrong. Wide receiver. Okay. Former the cross player. If, you know. Wow. Yeah. You just can't like anything good, can you? No. Um, so let's talk about the <laughs> missed opportunity <laughs> of having Maroon 5 do the halftime show in Atlanta. The hometown that brought us Ludacris, Outkast, the Migos, the, the home southern rap, and here we have Maroon 5. This is a crime. It's it's frankly insulting, and I'm very unhappy about it. And I don't have anything personally against Maroon Five. I think um, the the dorky one that does the voice as a judge is um, fine as a singer. But this was just a missed opportunity, and the NFL proving itself once again to be strikingly tone deaf. And I would have to agree with that. I mean, I, I like Maroon Five. I, I have some albums on my phone right here. They're, fine. Five. Yeah, they're, they're perfectly <laughs> harmless. Now, the thing is, I've never really cared that much about the halftime show because, especially the last few years, you know, last four out of five Super Bowls, the Patriots have been in it. And No, yeah. you're kidding. And once we hit, and once the game hits halftime, and obviously it's an extended, prolonged halftime, I'm just you, sitting there like, what am I supposed to do? You all for run outside mi- for a collective smoke break so everybody <laughs> can unwind. Yeah. And. I, I just don't know what to do. Like I mean, you know, I I remember um, against the Seahawks, I literally walked um, a lap around the campus to try and at uh, Cumberland to try to and help the process go like go along. I didn't watch the halftime show that I couldn't even tell you who the last three halftime shows were. Maybe Lady Gaga. One of them was Lady Gaga. I think Katy Perry came in on a rope somewhere or something that she. There, there was a shark involved in yeah. some capacity. Either way, I don't pay much attention to it because I am playing out the five million scenarios in my head for the second half of the, the game. So, Playing out five million scenarios in your head. Wow. It was exaggeration, but... Very good right now. Anyway, do you want to not talk about the Patriots anymore? Because I know I don't want to talk about I mean, the Patriots I, anymore. Sometimes even... It's hard to believe. Sometimes even I get a little tired of talking about the Patriots. I'm honestly. also tired of you t- talking about the Patriots. So let's talk about Austin P. Last week... Men's basketball. Very odd week because it felt like the loss was a better contest than the win and vice versa. But we'll start with the Tennessee State game. Very physical game. Tennessee State leads or is last in the nation, I guess, depending upon which direction you want to view that. The nation in fouls. And Thursday was no different. We never trailed. Austin never trailed. Rarely led by less than double digits. It just seemed like there was a spark missing, uh, particularly uh, defending the three-point line. TSU, not a big three-point shooting team, but all of a sudden hit 13 
from deep on that particular night. Three Tiger reserves were in double figures, including Michael Littlejohn, who hit five three-pointers. All five Austin P starters were in double figures. Terry Taylor had 14 and 10 for his season's sixth double-double. He scored 11 of his 14 points in the second half after not hitting his first shot from the floor until 15-11 remained in the second. TSU was its own worst enemy at the line, hitting just 44%, but Ospie really dodged a bullet. TSU hit 50% from the field and 50% from, free, from three, the first Austin P opponent to do that in a loss since Southeast Missouri in 2009. So it's a testament to what the Govs were able to do offensively that Tennessee State could have really probably one of the best nights of the season for them on the offensive end of the floor and still come away with the Dunson or loss. Contrast that with the Belmont contest, a free-flowing up-and-down game, lots of running, lots of gunning. Belmont came out absolute fire, hit nine of their first ten shots. Govs rallied with a 23-11 run to take a ten-point lead into halftime and extended it to 14 early in the second half before Dylan Windler turned into an NBA Jam character, scoring 20 consecutive points by himself for Belmont. I've never I've watched a lot of basketball. I've never seen anything quite like that where one guy just I mean you hear a lot about you know he put his team on his back. No, that dude who scored yeah. 20 straight points put his team on his back. I think the thi- I think the performance that comes close to that is LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals because the Pistons scored like what 25 the last 26 whatever to something close, like, like that. Yeah, yeah that was. I and mean, yeah, Tracy McGrady scored the last like what a 13 or something. Yeah, <laughs> that that was LeBron's first real I'm here playoff moment. Yeah. Like he'd had all the flashes with some terrible Cavs teams in the regular season. But it was you're right. It was it was very reminiscent of that. Just all right, you guys get me the ball, give me a little bit of space, try not to get into my way. I'm going to put it in the bucket, and then we'll run down and defend, and then do this again. Once he was finally out of gas, Chris Porter Bunt and Kevin McLean battled back and forth. CB finishing with a career high 24, but McLean's performance helped him earn OVC Player of the Week honors as the Bruins escaped the done with a 96-92 victory. Steve Harris got buckets, finishing with 17. He's averaging 13 points per game in his career against Belmont. And Taylor finished with 23, but the Govs can't allow an opponent to hit 62.7% from the floor, including 69% in the second half, and expect to win. Tuesday, Belmont was named the NABC Division I Men's Basketball Team of the Week, so I guess that's a, a something. I mean, they earned it by toppling Murray State in Murray and coming in here and escaping with a victory at that's a really good team. I mean, obviously you don't score 96 against the Govs without being a pretty good team, but still dis- disheartening to have played a, mu- a much better performance against Belmont than they displayed against Tennessee State and had the Belmont game be the one that turned out as a loss. For the women, j- just like the men, got off to a good start in, in terms of the win column, um, took on Tennessee State, who – Came into the game with just one win, although it did come in OVC play. How did they ever get yeah. one? <laughs> well, they have two now, so yeah, they beat beat Murray on the road. Oh my God! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was a not very good Tennessee State team. Yeah. The, apparently, some girl who uh, had only averaged about ten minutes and five points a game dropped thirty-one on Murray. 
and didn't didn't even play yeah, didn't even play against us, but dropped thirty one on Murray. Anyway, getting back to the actual um, Govs versus Lady Tigers game. Uh, from the start, it was Keisha Gregory taking over, finished with twenty three points and eleven rebounds for her fourth career double double. Had fifteen and nine in the first half alone, and it was really once the Govs got out to a lead in the first quarter. While the t- Lady Tigers did make it tough, you know the game. I don't I don't think it was really ever in jeopardy. Um, you mentioned with the men's team never really having a spark in that game. I don't think there was really a huge spark in that game either. Very ter- business-like, yeah. very work-like. Yeah, um, and it wasn't the prettiest game of basketball ever. Yeah, um, both teams weren't you know shooting lights out you know by any means. Um, the Lady Tigers could not hit free throws to save their life at all, and the Govs actually only allowed 47 points. Um, which is the least they have allowed this season and the second time they have allowed under 50 points in the Dunn Center this season, which, um, by my calculations, is the only time that has happened in the past 30 years. So um, don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty well, who sure are we it. supposed to? You're the keeper of the records and facts. If it can't hold you to it, who are we <laughs> supposed to hold to it? Well, going into uh, the Belmont game, um, they knew it was you know going to be much tougher. Belmont you know, came in, you know, Still cream of the crop, uh, had that home loss to Tennessee Tech, which a little surprising around the league, but, you know, this Belmont team was still ready to go. They came out, they were coming into the game only a seven-point victors on the road against Murray State, who, you know, the Lady Tigers went out and beat as well. So, you know, obviously they didn't see that result yet, but looking back on it, if, you know, if you could time travel, <laughs> you would think that the Govs-Bruins would be a great game, and, and Belmont came out the gate fast, uh, as expected. Um, would you know Normally was holding a 10-10 to 14-point lead. Um, then the Govs got hot in the third quarter, uh, particularly Nigel Crawford came off the bench, career-high 19 points, went 3-for-3 three three from three-point range. She is the only governor this season to shoot 100% from three-point range while making multiple threes in a game, and she's done that twice. So good game from Crawford. Unfortunately, um, Belmont turned on the first quarter in the fourth quarter, excuse me, um, the Govs scored 28 points in the third quarter to cut, um, which was as high as a 14-point uh, deficit into just a four-point deficit going into the fourth. And then Belmont routed off an 11-0 run in about four minutes, and that you know effectively took all the energy out of the team and the crowd and you know kind of finished that game. Um, a lot of good performances for the Bruins. I, I don't really like to highlight – Opposing performances, but Jenny Roy and some of them you can't really avoid highlighting. Yeah, <laughs> Jenny Roy had a triple double, which doesn't t- happen too often in the league. Not m- you know much less the entire country, and you know actually didn't end up getting yeah, OZ player of the week. Y'all y'all screwed that up bad. Yeah, like I don't care. I don't care if she didn't have the most flashy. No, and she was. What'd you say? She had eight and nine. I think she was nine, nine, nine points, eight. eight rebounds in the, against Murray. And she then, had a yeah. triple double. That doesn't. Ha- that, that was what, like the twenty first or twenty second in league history by a, a female basketball player. It was. It was something like that. I think it was like the third in the country, the entire country this year, and or for NCAA Division One, and it was the first in Belmont's NCAA history for as a basketball program. Um, you know, n- not going to reveal all the votes here for people in the OVC, but. Um. Yeah, I, I don't really understand. I mean, it, for the record, I had her as the number one player of the week. J- just throwing that one out there in case any Belmont fans try to lobby their case to see if Austin P voted for Jenny Roy. <laughs> but the Bruins ended up finishing that game. Um, 
you know, off of that 11-0 run to start the fourth quarter. Darby Maggard, which is the who was the OVC preseason player of the year, um, you know, was limited early. She didn't even score in the first quarter. Ended up with 21 points though. Uh, hit five threes, and then Ellie Harmeyer down low was an absolute monster. Um, I think she had around 24 and 15 or something like that for that stat line. Um, routinely was grabbing offensive boards and. Belmont, normally a good free-throw shooting team, came in under 70%, but Harmeyer went 13 of 14 from the line. It was the only Bruin to shoot free-throws via open play. Uh, Maggard had two free-throws via a technical. Those are the only two people who attempted free-throw for Belmont. Um, so the Govs cut it to four, maybe a missed opportunity there. Um, you know, Unfortunately, their shots weren't going in at the start of the fourth. They had a couple good looks, um, as Coach Midlick rem- um, said in his post-game remarks, but... Um, an efficient Belmont squad, you know, finished that one off with that big fourth quarter run, unfortunately. Over on the track, a big congrats to Daisha Hicks, who achieved the first four-meter vault of her Austin P career. A long time coming for Daisha. She's been kind of the Robin to Savannah Amato's Batman over the course of their careers. Amato, among the greatest athletes we've ever had come through this track and field program, Outstanding TC Day. She gets some well earned due for her performance. Elsewhere on the track, the Gus put three in the 60 meter hurdle finals and two more right outside the top eight. That's going to be a very deep and very important group when the Gus head to Alabama in less than a month for the OVC Indoor Championships. Tamitha Tolbert won the 60 meter dash, which not surprising. That she did it while battling illness is a little bit surprising. That she was two hundredths of a second away from the school record while battling illness is super surprising. Look, I, d- I know athletes are better people than I am. Or, like, not better people, but, like, better at being people than I am. I can't imagine trying to run when I... I can't... I don't do very well getting from the bed to the kitchen for something to drink <laughs> when I'm sick, and she almost broke a school record. I, that, I know other people won female track athlete of the week, and... Congrats to them. They probably deserved it. But I I would put it that nobody in the country had a better personal performance than the girl who almost broke a school record while sick last weekend. And Sabrina Richmond picked up another 400-meter dash victory as well because that's what Sabrina Richmond does. And for tennis... What the Austin P. Governors do and the Claudianos Garcia sisters, uh, or the Giannis Garcia, Claudia, <laughs> Lydia and Claudianos Garcia, the Giannis Garcia sisters have done for the four years as well is win tennis matches. And the Govs, um, as a team, did that against Western Kentucky. They're now three zero on the season. Um, their best start to a season since the turn of the millennium. So, well, yeah, whatever, whatever century, millennium, whatever word you want to use since two thousand. Millennium sounds more grand. Exactly. And it wasn't just the way, it wasn't just how they defeated and, you know, getting a, another win to go to 3-0. It was the way they just absolutely obliterated um, a Hilltop of program that defeated the Govs just two years ago with, a, you know, the core of this team, with the, the Giannis Garcia sisters and uh, Helena Kupik, all seniors, defeated them pretty handily two years ago. Um, but also picked up a couple of players in the offseason, including one, uh, I believe you said a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, transfer in from Eastern Kentucky who yeah. pulled their program last year after winning the OVC. Yeah, and it, it was just an absolute obliteration from the start. Um, you know, to be fair to, to Western Kentucky, they did have some injuries, so they had to 
um, forfeit number three doubles and number six singles. So the Govs were already up 1-0 in the match. Knew, knew they were up 1-0 in the match going into the first set of doubles matches, and they knew they all had to win one of two doubles to get that doubles point. And uh, Tatiana Lopez and Hanoka uh, Nakanishi, I can yeah, s- <laughs> still have to say that in my head a little you, bit. You gotta go get sl- her a nickname or yeah. something. Um, they combined for their second doubles win um, as, as a pairing, so that put them up 2-0. Um, and then absolute obliteration in the singles. I mean, I can't even know how it was. An evisceration, a destruction, whatever word you want to use. Yeah, you're a big fan of obliteration, I'm yeah. noticing. Um, the Govs won five total sets, six to zero, in the five contested singles matches, including Lopez's 6-0-6-0 win at number three singles and Dan- freshman Danielle Morris's 6-0-6-0 win at number five singles. Lydia and Claudia also won in straight sets, and Kupik also won in straight sets while winning the other set 6-0, while winning the first set 6-0, excuse me. Um, Lopez uh, clinched as well for the Govs as they are now 3-0. and as we get set to bring in Emily Harker Road, this week's guest, do want to take a second to shout out Daisha Hicks just before we came in here to record, came across the wire, that she earned OVC Female Field Athlete of the Week. believe the first of her career. Haven't run that down yet, but either way, great to get some recognition for Daisha. Great to get some more recognition for the program. Uh, I believe that's four weeks and four Austin P wins in the OVC Field Athlete of the Week uh, weekly rankings. So great job by the Govs. And we will take a break and bring in Emily Harkle Road of the softball team right after this. The 2018 season came out of nowhere for Austin P. Softball. The Govs overcame modest expectations at best to post the best season in program history, and Emily Hawkel Road was a big part of that, starting 50 games in her first season in Clarksville. With the start of 2019 just weeks away, she's been kind enough to join me today as our guest this week. Thank you for coming in. No problem. <laughs> so talk about the expectations you had going into last season versus what's what you're expecting this time around because it's got to be changed pretty dramatically yeah well last season we didn't know we were going to have the season we had because our first tournament we went 0-3 and, and then we were 0-5 like at one point so it was like okay we just need to get our heads and focus in on what we're doing but this year it's the same exact team as last year new coaches that's the only change so we really we have to step it up because people are expecting us to do as good as we did last year. And we should. It's Everybody's coming back. We lost, like, three people. And so we just have to do the same thing we did last year but do it better in order to get a ring. What got you into softball when you were a kid? Uh, <laughs> I was so little. I was probably, like, four when I started t-ball. And my brother played baseball. I have an older brother. And I guess just running around at his baseball games playing in the dirt my parents were like, oh, she should play softball. But Just something to kind of get you out of the dirt. Exactly. 
softball season's long, games are long. What do you guys talk about in the dugout to just kind of keep yourselves interested? Well, before the game even starts, we usually pick apart the team over there and just like pick apart yeah like we we usually try to guess who plays what position like oh this is the first baseman this is the catcher we did that for about everybody and then when the game starts like you're right you're wrong and then during the game well we're supposed to like you know cheer on our teammates and stuff so we can't really talk near the dugout but when we do it's almost always about the team or like what play happened or predictions on like, this girl's going to hit a double or how many of you think Danny's going to hit one over the fence or something like that? So it's all ball for seven innings, two games at a time every day? No, it's not. But if I say we don't talk about softball, I'm going to get in trouble and the whole team will get in trouble. <laughs> so I can't do that. You committed to us really, really early, October 2015, before your junior season. A lot happened mm -hmm. since then. What was it about Austin P that kept you attached and kept you committed to coming here through all the different changes that were happening around the program? Well, it was the first school that really caught my eye. I don't know, just because I wanted to stay in Tennessee, and I liked all the people that were coming with me, and um, I liked the coach that recruited me, and I thought it was a good fit, and the school is growing and like the football team was growing like athletics wise was growing as a whole and I wanted to be a part of that and I just thought Austin P would be a good place to go like it's not at home but it's far enough where I can still feel like I'm in school and all that stuff. Was staying in Tennessee and staying semi-close to home a really big draw for you at the time? Uh, it wasn't for me but it was for my parents so I did it for them. You were an all-state pitcher in high school as well. Were there plans to keep appearing in the circle in college, or did you know you were going to take on more of a regular role in the field? No, I I got recruited to be a pitcher and then close. Like, I told that I was going to be a closer. I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I like playing in the field. I've always played in the field, too. I've always played every position in the field. But last year, they really gave me a choice. Like, you can either – pitch every so often or you can play every game and I opted to play every game because at the end of the day I didn't want to sit there and wait my turn <laughs> I'd rather play every time you were you alluded to you were a super utility player in high school at Silverdale did that make it easier for you to move to first or was it strange to have one set position most of the time no it wasn't because I had played first like if someone was sick oh yeah I'm gonna go play first like all right whatever and so like during practice I've literally play every position like I bounce back and forth between outfield and stuff but I just try to keep it simple because if I think about how many plays there are and at this position or this position I'm gonna get confused so I just try to think of every position as the same. How do you study opposing pitchers as the game goes along? Well a lot of times like when they're warming up or if you're on deck you want to get your timing and you want to like know oh this girl just threw the batter in front of me, two drop balls and change up. Or she's throwing all away. Like, you can tell in the dugout, like, this girl is just painting the outside corner every time. And opposing teams study, like, they have charts on what you've hit and everything, just like we have charts on what they hit or what their pitcher throws. So you can kind of have an idea going into the game what you're going to get. But it all depends when you're just standing there watching her pitch and say, oh, this girl's throwing heat or 
scoot up in the plate because she's not going to blow it by you. <laughs> this year, obviously, another new coaching staff, Coach Stanfield and her staff coming in. How have you and the team adjusted to yet another change in leadership? Um, well, it was different, you know, coming in two other coaches and then we have a new one but they do a lot of the same like practice schedule that we did last year um, they have a lot more rules and they're more strict but I think in some ways it benefits us because we're kind of a goofy team and we need to be reeled back in in times <laughs> but no um, they keep practice interesting and we scrimmage a lot which is good it's keeps us moving and it's not just you know boring doing drills all the time which is good but at the end of the day it's really been kind of the same with a few minor tweaks but we won't know until season starts really what's something about college that you enjoy that you didn't really expect to enjoy i take a lot of naps <laughs> in between <laughs> classes and like before practice and you know in high school you take naps you go to detention but I've got to where I have to take a nap before practice or I just get grumpy. <laughs> I don't know. What's something about the student-athlete experience that the student body at large wouldn't understand? Um, most of my friends are student-athletes. Like, we're really close here at Austin P, and I think that has a part of it being such a small school on campus that you really you, you only hang out with athletes at some point, and the only people that are just students you have in class with and you don't really see them much because you're so busy. Like no one understands your schedule as much as other athletes do. Quick break to talk about Outback Steakhouse, proud sponsor of Austin P Athletics. Priding themselves on serving up a variety with unbeatable steak cuts complemented by delicious choices of chicken, ribs, seafood, and pasta at a price for everyone. Stop in today or order online and pick it up for dinner and be sure to add a blooming onion in there while you're at it. Outback Steakhouse, 2790 Wilma Rudolph Boulevard in Clarksville. With chemistry is a major, it's a difficult major. How far along are you in that process? Are you really into your major class or are you still taking the core? Uh, well, I came in with some credits from high school and then I took, which kind of actually kind of messed me up some because I couldn't take so many hard classes on top of each other so I've had to like lighten the load some especially during season because it's hard to take you know I'm in calculus and I'm in biology and I'm in chemistry right now and yeah I, I completely miss practice on Wednesdays because I have labs so I have to go when everyone's done I go after practice and hit with one of the coaches that stays and so it's hard because like I go to class at 8, and I don't get out until 5.30 on Wednesdays. And it's it's tough, but I know, like, softball ends in three years for me, and then after that I depend on my major pretty much for the rest of my life. So I have to have a good foundation and a good building block in order to be successful pretty much. You said calculus and chemistry and a lab and what else? I have. Um, calculus at 8 a.m. and then I go to biology and then I go to chemistry and, <laughs> and then I have both of my biology and my chemistry labs back to back on Wednesday yeah I get like a 15 minute break <laughs> you need to talk to whoever set up your schedule that oh 
well, can't imagine. it's either you miss two days of practice or you suffer and you miss one day of practice. Uh, yeah. Never, never mind. <laughs> Being a student athlete is a lot tougher than anybody gives it credit for. Okay. I want to move into some rapid fire now. but And I didn't send you these because I want to get your answers without you seeing them. What is your favorite word? Um... <laughs> Probably Big Mac, because every time I hear Big Mac, I'm thinking I'm going to go have a dang good lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Um, probably, um, probably, like, when someone tells me I can't do something, I'm really probably going to turn around and just do it. Except for my parents, can't do that with them. <laughs> Who or what inspires you? Uh, my mom. She's uh, She really worked hard in her life and to get where she was. And, like, I want to be able to provide for my kids the way that my mom provided for me. What was the last book you read for fun? <laughs> Over Christmas break, I read the, like, Chick-fil-A story. It's, um, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like the whole story of Chick-fil-A. We're like talking I'm about Chick-fil-A, the restaurant. Chick-fil-A, the restaurant. Okay. Like, they have a book and about how they got started and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was bored. Yep, clearly. <laughs> what is your worst habit? Probably getting up the latest I possibly can for workouts. So I, I show up, like, 10 minutes before, and they're like, you're supposed to be here 15 minutes before. But I get as much sleep as I can get. <laughs> What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Appropriate one? Uh, That's for you to decide. My mom's going to hear I'm not this. here to judge. Most terrifying story. Oh, golly. Um, I, don't, I don't have an I don't appropriate one. <laughs> uh, I have like 15, but I can't use any of them. Oh, come on. There's got to be one. There's not a single... I would get murdered. Um, I mean, that one sounds pretty terrifying in and of itself. The You telling a story that would get you murdered. <laughs> My parents would be so pissed. I'm just trying to think of one, like, most terrifying... What was it again? Most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in. Um, I guess one time... It was it was late at night. It was it was late at night, and I was coming back from it was freshman year. I was coming back from the library because I had to print something, and then I waited until like eleven thirty to print something because you know who doesn't. And I was too lazy to drive because I thought there wouldn't be any parking spots at eleven thirty at night. And so I walked across campus, which was fine, and then I had to walk back across campus at like twelve o'clock at night. And my mom made me watch Dateline, you know, growing up <laughs> to scare you. And so we would, I was walking back and I, I just like got this feeling that someone was following me. So I just ran all through campus back to Castle because I I was paranoid that I was going to get taken. And that was probably the most <laughs> terrifying <laughs> situation I've been in. And it was nothing. You won't find that on any of the recruitment advertisements <laughs> for Austin P. probably. No. What is your idea of happiness? gonna say something food related but makes me happy i know 
My idea of happiness? I don't know. I guess spending time with my family and my friends. That doesn't have anything to do with softball because I do that all the time. It can't all be softball. What is your idea of misery? Six-hour practices. <laughs> That's misery. <gasps> what makes you self-conscious? I guess failure. Like, I, I always worry that I'm going to get up there, and even softball-related, that I might strike out or not do what my team needs. But I, I'd say my biggest fear is failure. Even in the classroom, like, I don't want to do awful. What is the most embarrassing song that you love? <laughs> my walk-up song last year was Big Papa by um oh crap what's his name what is his name <laughs> and I did it I did it for my brother because we watched that movie Hardball of like the the baseball movie yeah. or whatever and I was like okay Austin I'll do it <laughs> but it's so embarrassing because every time I get up there we'd play and I would just I just laugh like I couldn't help it I don't know what makes me feel worse is that that was your walk-up song, or that you don't, you can't think of the Notorious B.I.G. That's it. I could head. not think of I it. I feel a thousand <laughs> years old right now. How would you prefer to die? Um, fast. <laughs> fast like bullet fast, or fast like instantly, like whatever happens. Gotcha. Go on the spot. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as, and why? A koala bear. Because I think they're cuddly. <laughs> no one really hurts koala bears. Aren't they endangered? Maybe they are, but people don't hurt them, so I'd go to a zoo. Gotcha. What might prompt you to lie? If I'm going to get in trouble. That seems to be a theme If here. I know I'm going to get in trouble, I'm not going to tell the <laughs> truth. <laughs> what makes you hopeful? I guess knowing I'm going to get something out of it. Like, if I'm doing something and I, I can see the end result. What is our purpose in life? I'd say just to be a good person and live your life with integrity and to, you know, do things on a daily basis that you would hold yourself accountable and other people accountable for. That's a good one. Thanks. So, you've... You talked a little bit about the future and that softball ends in three years and you've got to have a plan, obviously. What is your plan? Well, I've always said that um, I've always said I wanted to be a chemistry major and maybe go into like um, pharmacy school and stuff. But right now I just hope to graduate in three years <laughs> with a chemistry degree and then figure it out when that time comes. What about more media goals? What What's your personal goal for this year? Be number one in our district and have a have a part in that. And, you know, do my role as much as I can count on my teammates to do their role. Well, I guess. last year was any indication you probably got a pretty good chance of that. Uh, Emily Harper, thank you for joining me today. <laughs> Had a lot of fun. Thanks.
Uh, big thanks to Emily Hargrove for joining us this week. Had a lot of fun talking to her as we get set for softball season, which is right around the corner. But the first month of 2019 is coming to a close this weekend. It's a big travel weekend for the men's basketball team, opening up Thursday night in Cookville against Tennessee Tech. That one will be on ESPN News if you can't make it down to Cookville. This is a dangerous opponent. Three and five in the league will be in for a fight down the stretch if they want to make the tournament. Ospice had its share of struggles in Cookville over the years. Last win at the Eblen Center came in 2009. Last season, the Govs struggled to break 40% from the floor against Tennessee Tech. Uh, in talking to Zach Glotta today and overhearing uh, a couple of interviews he was giving, he talked about the struggles they've had shooting in that gym. The rims are very hard. The sight lines are a little bit, I wouldn't say more difficult, but certainly stranger than what you get in a lot of the arenas in the OVC. It, it just presents a different and more unique challenge. Uh, Chris Porter-Button put up 23 last year in Cookville. And he is playing some of the best ball of his career over the last couple of weeks. He and Taylor have been outstanding for most of the league schedule. But the Govs need a big spark from the second unit with Dayton Gum out of the picture for the next several several weeks with a lower body injury. JSU on the road is this weekend's marquee game for the Governors. Austin P picked up its season's first road victory in league play last year in Jacksonville. The Govs have enjoyed more success on the road this season. We'll need to find a way to neutralize the wing athleticism of the Gamecocks. It's an interesting contrast in styles. Austin relies on its ability to get good looks in the post and get shooters Jarrett Gibbons and Zach Lotta great opportunities from the outside. Jacksonville State relies on those dynamic athletes to slash the lane and get to the bucket. Points will be at a premium in this one. JSU and Austin ranked second and third in the OVC in points allowed per game. And Jacksonville State currently ranks as the league's only program holding opponents below 40% from the floor for the season. And a massive weekend for the women's team to score a signature win or even two signature wins on the road and secure its footing um, in the OVC standings as they look to also make a push at the OVC tournament. Um, the first game is probably going to be the tougher of the two at Tennessee Tech. The second straight game where the Govs will take on the league leaders, the OVC, Belmont, and Tennessee Tech, we're tied at six and one now. Tied at seven and one. Um, Tech is unbeaten at home as well, so it's going to be a strong challenge if they can get uh, uh, if they can get a win here. Uh, the Govs did beat Tennessee Tech 53 to 52 in the Dunn Center the last time these two teams got together. So they can slow the game down. Maybe they have a chance because Tennessee Tech or is, a, is a very efficient team. They pretty much do everything good. They don't do one thing particularly bad. Um, they shoot the ball well. They have um, to, shoot the, to shoot the three ball well. Jordan Brock, one of the OVC's most premier three-point shooters. Um, they are one of the best free-throw shooting teams in the, lead, um, in the league. Excuse me. Um, they hold their opponents to, I think, it's under 60-something points a game. They're in the top five in that, in the top five in pretty much every defensive metric as well for field goal percentage and stuff like that. Um, so and the Govs also, when they went to Tennessee Tech last year, set the record for made free throws in a game without missing. They went 18 for 18. So the Govs can shoot free throws there at the Eblen Center, and maybe that will translate to more open looks from the floor. Also, Michaela Campbell scored a career-high 19 in that game last year as well against the Golden Eagles. Um, the Saturday game is against Jacksonville State, and it's going to be a big one in terms of the standings. Right now, the Govs just a game ahead um, of the Gamecocks. Uh, Govs are 4-4, four four, Gamecocks at 3-5, and five, and 
But the Gamecocks only three and five at home as well. But their defense is what has been carrying them. They they rank first in opponent scoring and opponent shooting. So the Govs know they have to come out and, and make some shots because the Gamecocks are giving up less than 60 points a game. So there's, you know, Govs have to get to that, you know, 70, 75 point mark to to then think about getting a chance to win because scoring 50 to 55 um, on the road against Jacksonville State is probably going to lead to a bad omen. So hopefully the Govs can can start shooting the ball um, a, a lot better on the road and, you know, come away with at least one verb victory. This is key because a lot of those teams below them, Murray State, Eastern Illinois, Tennessee State, they only have two wins, two games behind the Govs, but a lot of them play at home this weekend in what you could call our winnable games for those teams as well. So it's critical the Govs at least try to maintain um, a two-game hold on um, the OVC tournament spots. And if they win two, they could creep up in contention for possibly getting a bye in the OVC tournament. That would be pretty incredible for the Governors. Osby Track headed to Purdue this week after originally being scheduled for a return journey to Carbondale. Currently, this one's shaping up to be like a mini OVC meet with the Governor squaring off against Southeast Missouri and Tennessee Tech, as well as host Purdue, Lindenwald, Valparaiso, and the University of the Bahamas, which if I'd known as a college senior that that was an option, yeah. I probably would have wound up here <laughs> anyway because I'll bet the University of the Bahamas has a very, very tough out-of-state tuition policy. But either way, University of the Bahamas probably a good gig if you can get it. And for men's women's tennis, both in action. Men's tennis travels to Chattanooga. The women's tennis uh, already traveled to Chattanooga this year, so now it's the men's turn to try to bring home a win from Chattanooga. Uh, the women are in the midst of a five-match homestand. Um, after their winning against Western Kentucky, they go and take on Carson Newman, and then both teams are at home against my alma mater, Cumberland, uh, next Tuesday, which Colby has in the script here. You know, not exactly a murderer's row of opponents, and, you know, I'm going to have to advocate for my, you know, alma mater. They have some players. Yeah, cool. Hey, <laughs> you, you tell me which one of them is uh, the three-time all the three-time OVC player of the year. I'll, I'll wait. I mean, they don't play in the OVC. So okay, yeah, that's right. They don't. And so it would be are they Peter. Are they the three-time whatever conference you guys are in player of the year? Don't think nope. so. No, they're not because that doesn't happen very often. Well, either way, I do think the governor's going to come away with wins against Cumberland, which, you know, it's a win-win for me. Either way, if Cumberland, you know, Cumberland loses, my place of employment, my school of employment wins, and if, if, if they win, Alma Mater wins, at least they can take some solace in that. No, no, you can't. All right, looks like I'm going for Austin Peay yes. here. Um, <laughs> Who signs your paycheck? <laughs> but, you know, again, not not maybe the toughest opponents like we they would see in the OVC um, so it's going to be good for uh, the Govs to defend, try to defend their home court as well as the men trying to go on the road against Chattanooga, as I said, to try to uh, pick up a victory. As we get a little bit further into the semester, got some more community service opportunities. Burt School, West Creek Middle. Read Across America is March 1st. Haley Jacoby over in Athletics Academic Services is your point person for community service opportunities as you accumulate those vital AP GovCup points. Hoops for Heroes is February 8th, the Echo Power Club level over at 
for Terra Stadium. And once more, SAC is sending a veteran to the OVC tournament. The uh, dinner is free, but a small donation goes a long way at this event. And if you need more information, Ryan Combs has it. Like, he has all the information about every single thing going on. Senior financial education, February 12th at the Echo Power Club level, required for our senior student-athletes, wouldn't be a bad, a half-bad idea for all seniors. Learn to manage your money. It's kind of important now. And OBC leadership workshops are February the 25th for athletes and then February 26th for the coaches. So if you are one of these student-athletes or coaches that listens to this podcast, so about five of you, I'd say, maybe. Hey. <laughs> Be on the lookout for that in your email. I mean, I guess if you've made it to this point and you've withstood Dylan's dig about our... I don't know what how many people listen to this. I assume some do. People say they like it, but they may just be saying that to be nice. Anyway, I mean, get we're, in touch. We're, sorry. I mean, we're, we're forgetting about all the people in Clarksville that may listen to it. So I was, you know... I keep having people ask me what a podcast is, which... Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that, that hurts a little. Anyway, get in touch. Stay in touch via web and social, Dylan. Where do people find us on social media? Uh, find us at letsgop.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at letsgop. And you can find us, uh, or you can find every um, team on Twitter at their respective team handles. Um, Taylor Wiseman and Tyler Davis in video services and digital media also are getting a lot of content out on all of the platforms. So hopefully everybody can see that and appreciate the work they do. Let's go P.com for dates, news, stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Delay, myself, we do things over there, and you should go see it and prove that we're not just howling into a void. And the Murray game is coming up. And basically lower bowl tickets for that game are practically gone. So if you want in, you need to get in now. And you need to contact Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper. They have all the tickets in the ticket office to get you covered for whatever you may need. And not just the Murray game, just any game in particular that you feel like attending. But Ain't all that many left, if we're being honest. Murray, yeah, Murray's certainly the marquee one. But if you want if you want to see the Govs and the Dunn, you are running out of chances this year, my friend. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast. Five stars, five stars. And if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Get your fire takes in about the Patriots to Dylan before they win another stupid Super Bowl. Email us at schwartzd at apsu.edu or wilsonrc at apsu.edu. And we will talk to you guys again next week. Goodbye. Nobody say, cause I'm doing it my way. My time's coming.